Welcome to Always Real Talk. In the studio today, we have a young man who, after graduating from Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia, then receiving a law degree from the University of South Carolina Law School. At the age of 22, he became the youngest person representing South Carolina's 90th District in the House of State Legislature from 2006 to 2014. In 2014, he vacated his seat to run for the Lieutenant Governor of South Carolina. In 2010, Time Magazine featured him on the 40 Under 40 list of up-and-coming superstars. In 2012, Politico named him on its 50 Politicos to Watch list. In 2014, he was named the Historically Black Colleges and Universities 30 Under 30, and he is now a prominent attorney at Strom Law Firm in Columbia, South Carolina. He's also a political analyst on CNN. So look, I'm, I'm excited to have in the studio with us today my good friend, Akari Sellers. South Carolina is the place that made me who I am. Why should supporters vote for you? No, I'm 30 years old, but I just finished my eighth year in the South Carolina House of Representatives. This is my seat right here. In 2006, I became the youngest black elected official in the country. Akari Sellers, he's an up-and-comer, not just here in South Carolina, but around the country. My father's my hero. His story is one of fighting for equal rights and justice. I'm a child of the civil rights movement. I'm a product of it. Everything I look at, I look at through a prism of that struggle. Just imagine if you're able to have the son of a civil rights hero be lieutenant governor. I think that says a lot. Welcome, welcome to Always Real Talk. No, I'm, I'm happy to be here. It's an amazing uh, opportunity to be in this studio and be back with you and uh, have fun with some, with some new friends that will be watching. Absolutely. And it's, you know, always good to see you and yeah. definitely uh, to, your, to your family, well, to we're your ready twins, for this uh, Thanksgiving holiday season, the first one with these these new two bundles of joy who are just running around and keeping us up all times of night, but we, we love it. Hey, look, you absolutely ate. It, it, no, I'm it, tired. You wouldn't, you I, trade it for nothing else. I wouldn't trade it. I, I would trade it for a nap every now and then, <laughs> but uh, other than that, no, it's all good. Man, no complaints. Hey, well, look, I know you stopped by. I know you, you know, appreciate you stopping sure. by the studio. You know, 22, you got elected, right? Yeah. I mean, and some people look and say, 22. And today, we keep hearing about the young folks are going to make the difference. Always. We're looking at the Generation mm -hmm. X, the Millennials, or whatever the new thing that mm -hmm. come. Now, some of those folks are now 30, right? Yeah. They used to be 20, yeah. and now they're 30. Uh, just real quick, tell us, you know, what really got you, you know, motivated at such so, a young age? You know, I, I ran my first race. I announced I had to wait till I turned 21, so September 18th of 2005. I was in my first year of law school. I ran against somebody who was... 82 years old, had been in office for 26 years. Um, we went out and we knocked on a bunch of doors, went to a bunch of churches, and we were able to beat him. Uh, it was about 55% of the vote. Um, and then we were able to, you know, the history books say the youngest black elected official and all these other things. But for me, it was something uh, a little bit larger than that. For me, it was about being a change agent. It was about becoming a part of something larger than myself. Uh, my father was, you know, a member of SNCC with, with Marion and Julian and all, and, and Foreman and, and everyone else. Um, you know, he was wounded in the Orange Ring Massacre February 8th in 1968. He went to prison. Um, and so my mom and dad both instilled in myself, my brother, and my sister, that we had to be change agents. And for me, going into politics was a way I could do that. The way you could do it. And 
Let me tell you, as you know, our, our parents go back with Slick oh, yeah, and sure. uh, Uncle Red just going to be watching. So when yeah, Uncle, well, Red Uncle, Red, see, listen, Uncle Red sees yeah, he's going to be like, what? I'll you get know? a text message. <laughs> you'll, That's get cool. a te- you'll get a text message from yeah. Uncle Red, and uh, he'll be like, you didn't tell me. You yeah, guys no, he would have been. He's going to be mad at me for not telling him I'm in town. But I'm only in town for a minute. Well, I want him to know that, that we're in the studio together. As you know, when you ran in 2006, yeah. I had ran in 2004, and right. I remember coming by and and you're right, it's about being a change agent. And I think that was a good point that you made to right. the folks that are watching. You know, you have a lot of people, and I know they call you all the time, too. Yeah, I mean, hey, it's, what not, I it's about public service, not the politics of it. And I think we miss that sometimes. And so uh, right now, it's just time for good people to run for office. I mean, that's just what we need. We need more of that. And what would you, what, what are three different words of advice you would give to uh, folks that are watching out today? Because, you know, they come and they like, Kwame, I, you know, I want to do what you did. I want to do it. I mean, so first understand that politics is a is a math right and a science so you you have to have a path to win um don't just go out there and get your head bust you know actually have a path to win uh spend some time understanding who you are and what your core values are and the things you believe in and ascribe to um and then when you when you begin to campaign understand that you're going to be fully immersed and your family's going to be fully immersed and if you are ready for that challenge then speak to everyone Uh, you got to get out of your silo this isn't about just talking to your friends these are these are about talking to people who don't know you um who you otherwise have nothing else in common with but talking to them and meeting them where they are um it, it's not complicated but it does take hard work uh, it absolutely, it absolutely and people right now they just want to run campaigns on twitter and instagram all right they want to say i'm running for hey, office that's they want it because it looks good because it looks good it and they put it up good. on instagram and i'm like that's not the way that you have to you have to go out and knock on doors shake hands be in people's churches be in people's barbershops meeting them where they are and giving them a message of hope, change, truth, love, justice, peace, those things that people forget sometimes that we can still ascribe to. It's interesting that young folks now want to campaign. You know, I knock on every door in the city. You knock on news. I mean, you know, against all odds, right? We both was against all odds. And it's interesting. People want to go to like the 4% of people that they think have the most influence and they forget about the 96 percent of people who just get up every day and they want to take care of their family right. and they're going to work and they're trying to make a life and it's like they don't want to do that hard work so i always well, tell people if you don't, you don't want to do the hard work yeah, and it's know. about look we we love our grass tops they're necessary the preachers are very important the, the the presidents of your local civil rights organizations are very important but the grassroots are equally if not more important it doesn't matter if you get one preacher, but you don't have the congregation. Right. So, uh, you know, you got to remember kind of how, how I, these things uh, are brought together. I mean, I know, you know, clearly so much respect for your pops. And as yeah, my pops sure. used to say, hey, Always. pops says, hey, you go in and you get the deacon and you get the, you know, you get the, you get the mother of the church. You got everyone. Everyone's coming. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, you know, you spend so much time. And, and I want to use church as an example because that's, you know, I'm just talking about Go talk to everyday people. You know, we'll be right back. We'll come back, talk a little bit more about 2020. We got Bakari Sellers in the studio with me today, so, you know, I got to take advantage of the time because, <laughs> you know, his time is uh, very limited, but uh, I really appreciate you being here. We'll be right back right after these messages. Aaron Stewart. I go to Thurgood Marshall Academy. My name is Kayla Williams, and I'm a freshman at Temple University. The program has helped me by opening my mind to travel more. The Challenge Challenge now in GSF has helped me um, just Open my eyes to different cultures, had me, gave me the opportunity to, uh, to learn and speak a different language and then experience that and then use that language in um, another country. And just realizing that there are people out there who are not as fortunate as I am. And so it makes me want to help them. 
just knowing that you have to always um, be open to new things and never judge anybody. Great. Welcome back. We're here with Bakari Sellers, and we're just here. We're talking about a number of different things. One, the importance of when you go out and campaign, what mm -hmm. to do. It's just not as easy as people think. But I, I want to talk a little bit about national politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you know. There's something going on right I now. I mean, right? It's, it's, it's something going on. <laughs> I mean, we have these debates. People know. They've, they've heard me talk. There's a thousand people run. I get confused how many people yeah, run. Yeah. I mean, really, it, it do. Um, it's a very important election. No question. No question about it. And it, the, the election is important. But tell me, well, you know, I hear you all the time. Mm -hmm. Why has the Democrats not figured out how to unify and create a message well, that is clearly needed right now? Well, first, Democrats are proverbial bedwetters. We just are. We're always uneasy. We're always nervous. Uh, even more importantly, we always want to fall in love with a candidate. We always, the, the line that I say is that Democrats want to fall in love. Republicans fall in line. So whoever their candidate is, they're all there. Democrats want to have that JFK feel, that Barack Obama feel, that Bill Clinton feel. Um, I'm not worried about being unified right now. It's a primary. Primaries are supposed to be rough and tumble. You know this. You right. got to go in, sort it out, um, vet the candidate, see who the best one is. And you know, I, I remind people all the time, the most brutal election I've ever witnessed, um, outside of some of those old school Lee Atwater oh, yeah. Yeah, back in the day was Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama in 2007, 2008. Like they, they literally, it was, a, it was almost a visceral disdain for each other. At the end of the day, we all know what happened. Barack Obama, even his office is not far away from here. He'll tell you right now, if you ask him, he says that primary made him better. Mm -hmm. So we're going through this process. There's too many people out there. It's going to be uh, the debate stage will get smaller in uh, Los Angeles on the 20th of, of December. Right now, only six people have qualified for that debate. Uh, Biden, Sanders, Buttigieg, Warren, Harris, and Klobuchar. Um, my good friend Cory Booker, it's going to be tough for him to qualify for that debate stage. Um, Tom Steyer, it's going to be tough for him to qualify, although he's getting closer, uh, and Tosi Gabbard's getting closer. Um, but I, it's going to be tough. So you're going to have six, seven people on the stage, so hopefully we can trim down a little bit and be able to talk about some issues that really matter. I, I'm happy we're talking about the wide-ranging ways to fix our health care system. I think that's healthy. We're having real serious issues about race in this country. That's healthy. Um, I do think there will come a time when we have to say this is enough and come together. I just think right now the primary, we haven't even cast a ballot yet. Let the primary process play out. Well, you know, I, I started off, I had uh, A. Scott Boland, he was on mm -hmm. with me, he was out talking, and I said, look, man, Democratic Party is going to fall. They're just so far left. They're going to fall off the cliff. Yeah. I mean, I just, I mean, I don't, I just couldn't, and everyone beat me up. Oh, I can't believe you said that. You know, we need to do all this stuff. And I, I just said, I don't know if the Democratic Party can win all the way left in a general election. Well, I think you have candidates. You have Kamala, Joe, Buttigieg, et cetera. And then you have, I mean, I, I remind people all the time, Hillary Clinton beat Bernie Sanders in the primary, and it wasn't close. And it wasn't close. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, she won by four and a half, five million votes. So it was not a close primary. Um, it was a loud and vocal primary, but it wasn't a close primary. Having the discussion about how we cover the remaining, uh, you know, 20, 30 million Americans that are uninsured who are not covered by the Affordable Care Act is a healthy discussion to have. Working from the Affordable Care Act, um, building a plan, putting a plan in place, making sure people can keep their private insurance. You know, I think all of those things are healthy. Healthy, um, and we'll see. I mean, we'll but, see what happens. I don't. They, I don't think that. To be completely honest and candid, I don't think that 
Elizabeth Warren, Pete Buttigieg, or Bernie Sanders had a legitimate path to the nomination? Well, let's, let's start to talk about that. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, are people even paying attention? Because we're talking to folks out there, and they're hearing a lot about impeachment, yeah. right? They're hearing a lot, a lot about why not vote for, you know, the exactly. current president, right? But when it comes to the Democrats, and you ask them what are the top three things that you think people are running on, it gets confusing. They'll say health care. Well, health care is number one, and health care is always number one. And that, the but reason being it. is, yeah, I, and that ain't a bad one. I mean, in 2018, 54% of all of those individuals who voted for Democrats to sweep them into the House majority uh, all said they were voting because of, of health care. This is going to be, a, this is more nuanced, as you know, uh, this primary pro process, because you, you have these lily white states in Iowa and um, New Hampshire. Right. It, it's, it's and now there are, no, don't get me wrong, there are important. a lot of black folk in Iowa. Um, you know, there are about 100,000 uh, black folk who um, are, we are hopeful will participate in the caucus process, right? That, that's a good, good, good bit, or who can participate in the caucus process. Then you go to Nevada, which is very diverse a large Hispanic population, a bunch of black folk in Clark County, and the overlay is the labor community. So you get that level of diversity, and then you come to God's country, which is South Carolina, and you know, my mom and her friends are gonna determine, black women are gonna, gonna determine who wins the nomination. Well, so, that was a very important election in the Obama-Clinton. Uh, it I did, mean, I, yeah, that, that I mean, really turned Iowa actually I, determined it, because yeah, once, once, since I, once we saw, this is a, there, I'll share this with you, there, there were, Black voters were afraid of two things in South Carolina. One, they were afraid they were going to kill him. It was a very legitimate fear. They didn't want Barack Obama to become a martyr. Number two, they were afraid white folk wouldn't vote for him. There's a chance they were blinded to what the Obama campaign was doing, who basically said, if we go to likely people who've caucused before, we lose. We have to go and create a new coalition of people. It's a it's a lot of work, but if we don't win Iowa, we, we're done. No shortage of bitter partisanship. We don't need more heat. We need more light. Yeah, it seems like double than what we had four years ago. It looks like 80,000 new voter registrants were signed up on caucus night 2008. That's an amazing number. Iowa showed that white folk would vote for him. That opened up the floodgates. He went from being down in South Carolina on January 3rd, which was the Iowa caucus, to on January 4th, being so, up in South up. Carolina. And it was, after that, it was it was a wrap. I mean, I, I believe this is a, still a two-person race. I think you handicap right now, it's, it's Biden kind of going away, but I think it's either Biden or Harris uh, would be the two, and I'm, I'm supporting Kamala, um, but those would be the so two. You, so you think right now it's Biden and Harris? But just based upon pure path, and people are looking at me, they're like, but the polls say this. First of all, there's no such thing yeah, as a national primary. It's the right, it's not. Okay, it's not. at this point in, in 20, uh, 2007, Hillary Clinton was beating Barack Obama by 21 points. I remember that. Um, in in uh, December of, of 2003, uh, Gephardt, Dean, and Edwards were leading in Iowa. John Kerry, on Christmas Eve of that year, took out a $6 million loan to float his campaign in Iowa. He won Iowa. He won out. Um, so it's still early. Um, but I think those two are the only people who have a path to winning black voters, um, particularly black voters on Super Tuesday.
Um, so, so do you so do you believe that black voters are going to determine the Democratic nominee? Do you is that? What oh you yeah, think? no question. They do year in and year out. Okay, well let's go back to uh, Senator Harris. Uh -huh. I mean, why is she? Is she seemed to be based on what people are saying, mm -hmm. struggling in the African American morning. She was asked about people questioning that she's not black enough, and so I was born in Oakland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And um, and raised in the United States, except for the years that I was in high school in Montreal, Canada. And look, this is the same thing they did to Barack. Yes. This is it, this is not new to us. And so I think that um, we know what they're trying to do. They're trying to do what has been happening over the last two years, which is powerful voices trying to sow hate and division among us. Mm -hmm. And so we need to recognize when we're being played. A lot of it has to do with just pure name ID and the knowledge thereof. I mean, just because you're a United States senator uh, does not mean that you are uh, legitimately a household name or people know who you are, know your policies or what you stand for. One of the biggest obstacles she's had is that she's not Joe Biden, who's been running for president since 1984. Right. Um, she's not Bernie Sanders, who ran for president before. Um, and Elizabeth Warren, there was even a draft Elizabeth Warren effort had been become some uh, more uh, household name than, than even her. So if she's introducing herself to voters, even in South Carolina, you're starting to see the numbers kind of tick up and tick up, and she's doing extremely well with black women. And, you know, she has to make a concentrated effort to talk to black men like you and I. Mm -hmm. She just was at an event with Charlemagne the God talking about mental health in, in Monk's Corner, South Carolina. So I, I, it's a long way to go, and some, th there has to be some things that are out of her control that will go well, uh, that, that have to go well for her. But Joe Biden is not going to win Iowa and not going to win New Hampshire. And okay. so there's going to be some uncertainty uh, around his candidacy. And so we'll, we'll just have to see how that plays out when it comes to South Carolina. Well, I want to come back because you're, su you're supporting, uh, you're supportive of Harris. And I think this is a good opportunity to, mm -hmm. to clear some stuff up that sure. people have. This is a prosecutor. Yeah. So a lot of you know, African-American men of color, you know, look at that a little Strangely, well, I mean, right? And they say, well, hold up here. You know, in order to win statewide office anywhere and it to be the uh, attorney general, you know, you, you got to get elected. And if you're a person of color, you're probably going to get elected locking a bunch of people up or promising to lock up the mother and everyone else. It's just yeah. the nature of the business winning mm -hmm. statewide. And they have a concern about it. So you're saying the meme is bullshit? I'm saying that, it, listen, there are going to be all kinds of allegations being made. And I, I invite and I not only invite, I encourage folks to look at the real record. Mm -hmm. And there are going to be people who um, are, they they want to own and, and a certain territory in politics, and they are concerned that I understand the issues, and so they're going to try and hit below the belt. It's a, it's a legitimate concern, and it's a question that has to be answered with truth, not misinformation. And so I remind people often that people are like, oh, she locked up all of these African-American men. Well, that's not true, first and foremost. Uh, the number of individuals who got locked up while she was attorney general actually went down. The number of people who got locked up for um, uh, marijuana convictions actually went down, uh, whether or not it was back on track or some of the other progressive policies she's put forth um, while she was there. She was the district attorney and attorney general during the height of the war on drugs. Um, and the Obama White House actually looked to her and some of the things she was doing in California to be the model for uh, progressive uh, policies going forward. That's first. You've got to have a discussion that's not rooted in 
some talking points that are simply not true. For example, they're like, she locked up all of these mothers who, because of her truancy bill and all of these other things. And I'm like, nobody actually went to jail. Right, and you hear that. And like, no, not you, you one person. You hear that, person. and that's why I thought it yeah, was, it gives I, you opportunity yeah, to Yeah, and I'm like, not one person, not one person went to prison. You know what did happen, though? More mothers and more parents were involved in uh, their, their kids' school. And they were involved in, on Saturdays and on the weekends, being involved in that, that school culture. What she recognized was that uh, there was a direct correlation between individuals whose parents were not involved in their everyday school routine, whether or not they were working or whatever else it may be, and the lack of attendance at school, and murder victims. I mean, she saw that correlation, attempted to fix it, and did a good job. So, I mean, all of these things matter. The, the question that I have for those individuals, though, um, is it's simply this. She has a record, though, that we can go and talk about. Okay. Other individuals who are running for president of the United States don't have a record. A record. I, I, I will. So, well, that's, that is the good thing yeah. about it is a record, and it's you know. Yeah. So I mean, let, let's talk about. I, I remind people all the time, especially when you, you, you we want to have this conversation about criminal justice reform, and, and you know, Kamala Harris. I say, Joe Biden wrote. Oh, you're the tell. 94 crime bill, <laughs> the, the 94 crime <laughs> bill, the 88 crime bill, the 86. So Bernie Sanders voted for the 94 crime bill. Absolutely. And while Kamala Harris was an AKA from Howard working in the criminal justice system, Elizabeth Warren was a Republican who voted for Ronald Reagan twice. So let's I want everybody to be very clear eyed in their perspective about what records actually look like. And I'll take the person who, no, no I'm not on, saying. You, would you do me a favor? Say that again. I just want to make sure I, we caught it. Because you, you said a, a lot of stuff. I just want to make sure we caught it. Yeah. I, Bernie, Bernie voted for the crime bill. We right. know that. Right. 1994 is a United States senator. Um, we also know that Elizabeth Warren was a Republican mm -hmm. up until 1995. She voted right. for Ronald Reagan twice. So I was saying, juxtaposing that to while Kamala was working within the system, trying to fix the system, you have somebody who was supporting the architects of the war on drugs. So I, I, that is just, I just want everyone to, to be very clear about this when we're talking about records. And, and I also want people to know that I won't sit here and say everything she did was right either. Um, she has to do some atonement, which she has. But one of the things she will also tell you is that she learned from the mistakes that she made. Yeah, well, I think it's the, the trust issue. I think is yeah. is is where is where people may have, because they're just not informed. That's true, and, and it's and it's, that's why we're here today. But we're to also as, as black folk, up. though, we also are less inclined to trust our own, and more inclined to believe that somebody else's ice is colder than ours. And so we have to make sure that we are telling the truth about whomever it may be having an honest discussion about it. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to bet on a black woman who is equally, if not more talented than everyone else, period. Well, I, and clearly, I, I, you know, I support exactly what you've kind of, of laid, course, laid yeah. out there. I mean, I just think it was good to clear that up. So no, we got because we have think to. Because if, if I can't if have, have this discussion here, here and, you, yeah. and, you have an, and you've been through hypocrisy, right? Oh, yeah. Where people are treated fairly, but yeah. a lot of times, and these prosecutors look like us, and they didn't say they're the main one ones that come. Uh, they, they come after people who look like us, but they we, don't come after people who look like other uh, folks. And then people get a sense of okay, here's another person. Yeah. And I think you kind of. And like sometimes people don't even understand that it, until you're in the system or work in it or go through the system, you don't understand who the most power, the most powerful person in the courtroom, is the prosecutor. 
I, I know, I, I, but, I, and I, believe me, I understand that oh, more than anyone. Yeah, I tell you, and, and I, sometimes I when a person look like you, that don't mean there, they, everybody who's skin folk ain't kin folk, right? That, <laughs> that, and I think that was my point. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think Harris needs to kind of start to articulate that in a way that people can understand, resonate, sure. right? Because I think that's And the, some of the things they've been doing is having, having actual other individuals, validators who worked with her on certain programs talk about the progressive nature and some of the things she did and while she was a prosecutor. But all of these, all I, all I say is these questions are good. These questions are valid. These questions have to be answered. We just have to be able to sort through what the truth and the facts of the matter are. And it should be balanced. Correct. Right? So, I mean, if you're having this conversation about Harris, then you have to have a conversation no about Elizabeth Warren, who was a Republican and who voted for Ronald Reagan. You have to have a conversation about Joe Biden, who wrote the bill, yeah. right, and pushed the bill. Correct. Right? So, I mean, you have to have, and sometimes those conversations aren't balanced. Correct. Especially when it comes to yeah, people no of question. color. So, I, I want to give an opportunity yeah, to no kind of sure. do that. And, I'm hope, and hopefully, she'll get some regular folks that are that are not part of what she was doing to come out and have those conversations. And working on it. But, and and particularly black men, because a lot of times our voices get left out of this discussion. Well, ab absolutely. So, we're going to South Carolina. Yeah. Now, come on, you you know, you, you are Mr. South Carolina. I don't know about all of that, but I, mean, I, I, I mean, love it. I, I mean, love it. You're up and coming. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean you, you know, yeah, yeah. people, you know, people yeah. don't last forever. That's right? true. It's just the nature of these. Yeah. 2020's coming. What is, what is the outlook for South Carolina? Because clearly we'll go through Iowa, we'll go through New Hampshire, I mean, I think and we're going to come to yeah. South Carolina. If, you and I know if the election is today, if the election is today, then Joe Biden wins South Carolina. Um, but it ain't today, and so we'll, we'll kind of see how that plays. But um, I think it's going to be closer than people think because of how poorly he's going to fare in Iowa and New Hampshire. So we'll see. Um, you know. At the end of the day, when everybody packs up their primary bags and leaves South Carolina and goes to Super Tuesday and goes to Georgia and Texas right. and California, we still have to try to beat Lindsey Graham in South Carolina. Well, I mean, I'm going to come back to what I always say, right? Trump won. Mm -hmm. No matter, you know, what people say he won. One electoral yep. college, 52% of, of, of white women voted mm -hmm. for Donald Trump. Now, the real question is, you know, how are the Democratic? How is the Democratic Party going to be able to attract the suburban women over from Donald Trump to them? Well, and, and they in Pennsylvania, Iowa. And, and, I mean, at the end of the day, that, right. that question done, isn't you know. They've done, they've done that, and what we're seeing in polling is that these women are souring on Donald Trump. One of the, it, it's not a um, necessary tale per se, but it's a good indication for Democrats when you win uh, Kentucky. You win Virginia, when you win Louisiana, and when Republicans have to get on TV and say, um, "At least we won Mississippi," that ain't a good talking point for them. Right? Yeah, that, yeah, that's that's you, you losing. But, but clearly, we know on, on the surface, you know, we're, we're predicting that these governor races, that these local races, will convert to that being at the top of the ticket, right? In yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, well, that's what our and uh, you know they all like Matt Bevin in, in uh, Kentucky was so deeply unpopular and right, abrasive, and it's just like Trump, like Trump. The economy is going well, for some. Um, everyone's not feeling it, but the numbers, the, the I mean, metrics. The I mean, I mean, I talk to people, you know, who I've talked, they, you know. So usually, you would think a Republican would sell through, or or Democrat, whomever it was. If the economy is doing well, you would think they would sell through. To re-election, the problem that Trump has is that he's so abrasive, he's so out of the box, he's so offensive to all common notions of decency and democracy. 
um, that people are tired. I mean, this Trump administration has worn down a lot of people, and I don't know if it's going to be close. In fact, I think if the election was today, he'd probably win re-election. Um, so so let's, let's have that conversation. Sure. Given what you said, people are tired. People are, don't like what he says. People don't, you know, right? People are tired. Mm -hmm. You can talk to anyone. They don't want to open. No one who supports Trump wants to openly tell you that they support Trump, Correct. right? I mean, that's just the way they just hide. Oh, no, I don't support Trump. But then they go and they click, and they'll support for Trump. Can morality win the White House? Don't know the answer. Can, I mean, because that's what I keep hearing is that you're on TV. Mor say, oh, I mean, this guy's bad. Blah, blah. I mean, yeah. is America going to vote for morality and say, well, you know, he's not a good moral person, but my pocketbook is better. Unemployment is down. We feel safe. You know, so is morality going to be the, the overall theme? He's a bad guy. We don't like him. And therefore, we're I don't think morality him. will be the overall theme. I think it's going to be. It's going to be a really internal theme to voters as they go in, and there is a question of do you want, do you want to be proud again of who was in the White House, regardless of party per se, but just do you want to be able to have a week or two where you can forget who the president of the United States is? Do you remember those days, or you don't want to have to worry about whatever tweet, or you want a global standing um, to to rise again? I mean, there are questions about who is feeling. Uh, the the success we're having in this economy basically the stock market's up but the overarching majority of Americans don't own stocks right people right. are still having to work one and two jobs with well, mostly two jobs they, the average American is a $400 uh, emergency away from going bankrupt so and we st we still have a, a, a portion of this country which are which are uninsured we still have uh, you know an immigration system which is in tatters um, and we haven't even got to the issues of racial justice which permeate every community in every aspect of life. So we ain't in a position where we can say this president is governing a country which is rocketing along without any hiccups. In fact, I think it's the polar opposite. But at the end of the day, people are going to say, I have money in my pocket. But is the morality issue, is that a legitimate question? And can the person who's running either make sure I keep this money in my pocket or put more money in my pocket and be moral, I think, is probably the question. That, and, that's prob and that's probably the question. Well, you look, I thank you for coming by. All man, I, I'm, I, I time, think man. this is a great uh, platform for you, man. I'm happy to find it and promote it and be a part of it, and I'm glad to see you. It's good to see you doing as well as you are. Hey, man, I appreciate it. Well, it's always Real Talk. We're here with Bakari Sellers. Stop by the studio, talk to us a little bit. Hey, keep your eyes on them. Keep your eyes on South Carolina, but more importantly, keep your eyes on 2020, 2020 absolutely matters. Look, it's always real talk, so you know it's going to be real. Thank you, man. Cool, cool man. No, when you run it again. It.